Okay, so it has been about almost three weeks since the alpha release, and it feels like a lot longer than that to me. Um, feels like we've you know made a lot of progress and, and things. So that's great. Um, I think uh, the main uh, update from the past week is we have finalized the session management RFC and we posted that on GitHub. So that uh, so far has been well received. We haven't had uh, too many comments on it. Um, what we have had has been positive. And then just like people on Twitter and so forth are, are really excited for opting built into Blitz. So that's it's going to be so good to get this built. Um, so my one of my top things to do next is open an issue on implementing the middleware, the HTTP middleware, just kind of to finalize the spec of that and and so somebody can build that. Um, so that's like number one. And then Rishab is working on the um, like scoping out or I guess like uh, designing the architecture of the session management package. Uh, he's working on that right now. And it'll probably be a few weeks until that's like something usable. So um, that'll be really, really, really great. Um, and then also I'm going to be working on the default uh, authentication um, identity um, provider check. So username and password self-hosted in the app. I'm gonna be working on that code. Um, in parallel with, with Rashab. And I think we'll probably package that as an installer because um, not all apps are gonna want it and maybe you want Auth0 or something and so you would install that. Um, so it should be a, a good use case for that. Um, so that's uh, all for me to, to start with. Um, so maybe we can go ahead and talk about the website. Robert, you can give us an update. Uh, sure. So there's not a ton to update on, really. Um, I will say that could probably get, uh, I mean, you've seen most of the content that's on the site already. So um, I think we could have it up before your talk so you can show it or if people, you know, want to visit, they can. Um, so like, yeah, what is, could it just go live today? Um, yes and no. I, uh, Jason didn't finish the branding, uh, PR. So I just figured, um, if he doesn't do that in, in the next day or two, I'll just pull it down and finish it. Have you, um, have you just sent him a message? Or, or I haven't pinged him yet. No, you I've been just, meaning to do that. Okay. So um, yeah, I can, I can ping him on it as well. Okay, so that, and then I, the other thing that I can think of is updating all of the docs to the latest of what's on GitHub, like the um, getting started guide and mm -hmm. the uh, manifesto. And I think it's probably just copy and paste. So yeah, do you, do you think you guys will, um, I mean, I don't assume you're gonna code freeze before the talk. So do you think there'll be any, like should we just wait to update the docs like the day before? Or what do you think? The day before going live? Before your talk or, or go live. Oh, no, it could, the, the site can go live anytime. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, so yeah, all it's, that's it's left. The, if it was the official site, then I'd make more a bigger deal about it. But right, yeah. Um, so all that's left really then is just uh, to merge some branding and merge the announcement banner, and then you know update the docs to whatever's latest. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. So as soon as that's done, we can just um, I'll switch it over. About the docs uh, on the site, so I was thinking about, uh, so like there's a PR to auto-generate them from the CLI commands, and we came to the conclusion that like the default CLI descriptions from Oakleaf aren't really enough. Um, so I was thinking maybe co-locating docs inside of the CLI package. I don't know if that's a good or bad idea, but maybe to have a docs folder um, inside of the CLI package where we would store the short description for Oakleaf and a longer description that we so, can import on the site. So when you change a, the... That's a good so idea, like, but except just, that it's not going to work with translations because yeah. how we're doing translations is forking the entire website. Yeah. Um, my, my two cents on the like how to handle keeping stuff up to date is like the, the API surface is pretty stable at this point. Like we're, you know, we're, we're adding new features, but it's not like the formal structure, like, like the server and how Blitz works at its core is not changing. And uh, you know, we're like, we're adding new commands, but in terms of the existing stuff, it's not like, we're not going to change how Blitz new works materially anytime soon. And so I don't think it's super worth it to, you know, my, my idea of like having some auto generation was like, it would just be nice to like, even if it just like post to Slack, it's like, hey, someone changed this, we should make sure the docs are updated. Um, and it was more just like a, a way to automate the process of us knowing we need to update them. But like, um, I don't I don't think it's Maybe worth Maybe just like, open a new issue. Yeah, but, but I don't think it's worth like jumping through hoops to automate the generation itself in that like, mm -hmm. we probably want that to be human driven anyway and like have more of a human feel to the docs than just like, yeah, CLI output. Yeah, I agree. Especially if we do translations too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we um, at, at some point, I maybe once the doc site is live, um, we can add a, an item to the PR checklist for adding documentation or like updating documentation if you change any user facing features, because that's going to be more than just a CLI. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like that stuff will be more and like everyone on our team knows what we're looking for. So I don't think there's any point in like stressing out too much about it. It's up DJ. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any point in, uh, in stressing out too much about it. And I think it's just kind of worth like, well, you know, if there's shortcomings in the process, we're going to find them, but like there's, there's no shortcomings to know about yet because we don't right. have a process. Yeah. And, uh, so we have a bot now, so we could we could uh, utilize that somehow if we need. Definitely. Thanks to DJ. Came on just in time. <laughs> <laughs> what? Sorry. Uh, what, what? What would we use the bot for? Um, we're talking about keeping documentation uh, in sync with like the code. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Like it would yeah, more like cool. it would open an issue or something. Be like or make sure that like hey uh, something some documentation needs updated for this pull request. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, that'd be sick. Yeah, there's probably some like pretty easy diff tool we can use just to pull in like pull in the diff and just say like, hey, if it changes files that match any of these glob patterns, post a comment saying like, hey, make sure you update some docs. I think it's like a pretty 
easy enough workflow that our bot should be able to look into. Yeah. Sounds like a great like first start. Like, I mean, that's already a really helpful process, right? And obviously we could iterate on it, but mm -hmm. sounds like that'll have a big enough impact. Okay. Um, Justin, do you want to give us an update on Windows support? Like, is it actually working now? Pretty much, yeah. Um, oh. I just PR'd something that fixed the DB reset command, but um, it was broken cross-platform, and then there was a, a yeah. little Windows glitch in it as well. But, um, yeah, other than that, everything's working right now, knock on wood. Okay. Good. There's an issue open, I think, still for Windows that we just need to close then. Um, oh yeah wow and it, you like early on the first we were having an issue with um like import pages not found or something so it seems that resolved itself um and then we just had the like the server issues yeah one of those i don't think i was ever able to reproduce I, it might still be open i'm not sure but yeah, I All think the that's the one that we you just need to close. Good. Yep. Okay, good. Um, so something else that's uh, we are like working on is plain JavaScript support, and we released it, but it was like totally broken. So I unreleased it. It's hidden from the uh, the uh, CLI now in the docs. Um, there's an open PR. Uh, by Jose, I think, for um, compiling, um, because so we're generating some TypeScript files for the RPC stuff, and then that was breaking the JavaScript build. So there's a PR open to compile that to JavaScript around current build time. So I think that's one of the last things. Um, and then I guess we just need to go through and test everything for sure to see, to make sure everything actually is working. Oh, the other thing that's not working is console. Um, the console is not working with JavaScript because it, it throws an error on like ES module stuff. So I'm not sure if we have to compile the, um, if we're gonna have to compile that code on the fly, like the CJS. I don't know. So this is something that I would love if somebody can take a look at. It doesn't have to be you, but if somebody watching, um, this is something that's pretty big to have for the JavaScript support. Any comments on plain JavaScript? I can, I can take a look at the console stuff. I'm not too familiar with the either the REPL stuff or the 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 um, server PR, but I can I can try and dig in at some point this week. Uh, it's, it's up to you. Um, for type the TypeScript REPL just works because it uses TS Node and it just like it just works. Everything works. I wonder if for that um, we just Maybe need we to provide. A, I wonder if we just need to like turn on. Uh, JS type checking in the TS config and like update some file path configs and see if it'll just kind of uh, work. Like I wonder, I, I wonder if it's more just a config setting that TS node doesn't know what to do with JS uh, files then. Uh, no, it works. That works. What, what doesn't work is, is if you don't have a TS config in your project. Oh, if I see. If it's, 
you know, there's no TypeScript in here. And then the TS node doesn't work. There's not a TS config, but maybe there's some hacky way that we can pass in a, a config for a, to the REPL just what's for the, the what's the working directory when the console starts up? Does it run from the dot blitz directory, or does it run no. from the root? root. Hmm. If we could, if we did execute it from the blitz directory instead, and we we changed into there, then we could inside of our, let like and, and just use relative paths inside of there. Then we yeah. could just keep a ts config around for our purposes that is hidden from the as user. As long as it wouldn't throw any TypeScript errors that people would be like, what is this? Right, yeah. Um, but I, I, it seems like surely there's some way to pass in a TS config to the still. Yeah, I, I assume there is. Like um, programmatically or something. But Yeah, I'll, I'll do some investigation this so week we and see what I can turn up. Um, at, at least open up an issue or comment on that issue with with what I found and, and sure. you know, if, if it's easy enough, we can even throw it to someone as a good first issue or something, depending right. on how, how complex the configuration is. Yeah. There's an, there's an issue open for it. So if you do some research and find something you can yeah, add Yeah, I'll drop something in there. Yeah. Um, okay, Adam, do you want to give us an update on what you've been working on? You've been doing a bunch of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I've been bouncing all over the place this week. Um, the installer stuff is coming along well. The, uh, the PR is up for, um, remote installers, uh, which will support installing from any GitHub URL um, or from the uh, soon to exist library of Blitz native installers. Um, the only restriction for third party ones is that they have to be hosted at the root of the repo right now. Um, I, I didn't know if that was a deal breaker, but it vastly simplifies the module resolution that we have to do, given that we have to kind of like dynamically pick out what files to import. Um, and I don't want to be dealing with like supporting like yarn workspaces or whatever inside of our, our installer package that felt yeah. a little bit out of scope for yeah. us. Yeah. Um, but I think so. That, be good uh, for yeah. But, but it, right. At least for V1 until we kind of figure out what people want to do with them. I, I think it's going to be a really, um, a really seamless solution. Um, other things I want to look into, I, I was digging through the, um, the Gatsby recipes code. Um, they, they do like, they do some interesting things that I think we should, uh, model like their their use of React Ink so that their console is a like almost like an interactive GUI instead of just like a bunch of text flying by. I think is like a, a significantly improved user experience compared to what we have right now. Um, but then there's also some weird stuff like they um, their uh, transforms and like file modifications are all like very brute force and like it's very limited and I think that's something the meeting on Thursday will kind of be able to bring to them. It's like if yeah. you use recast and use these, you know, nice modification APIs that we've built out, uh, you get a lot more for a lot less. Like um, their file modify the Gatsby config is like 400 lines of TypeScript or something and our transform file is like 60. Um, <laughs> and so I think we can like, there's probably some nice, uh, if nothing else, some like nice knowledge sharing that we can do there. And yeah. you know, when we kind of bring bring together this a, uh, abstract solution, we should be able to uh, build something really cool. Um, yeah. So that's installer stuff. And then uh, was was hopping back into the generator to try and clean up a lot of the outstanding issues we had there. So um, context paths for nested files and parent models from uh, page generation and. Um, just trying to kind of round out the generator a little bit so that it's a little bit less of a, a beginner tool and something that you kind of can yeah. use throughout the lifetime of the project. Cool. Um, so yeah, that's, that's about it.
Okay, good. I, yeah, I saw these PRs come in. I haven't taken a look yet. I'll take a look and try them out, like especially the generator stuff. Yeah, there's there's some stuff we're gonna have to figure out around syntax. Like, um, do we, for example, do we want um, if you supply like a path as the model name? So if you're like blitz generate pages uh, admin slash tasks, is admin the context folder, or do we treat that as a parent model, for example? So there's um, there's there's a couple of weird edge cases like that that we're gonna have to figure out, and so we might need a different syntax than file paths for parent models or something to help differentiate those. Um, but that's something that we can figure out. Uh, you know, maybe we copy the Ruby conventions yeah. there and do like colons or something, but we can, um, or steal something from Prisma maybe, but we can figure that out uh, in, yeah. you know, if you want to comment on the PRs with your thoughts there. Okay. Cool. Um, I, I might, if I get some time, I might work on the um, form, like adding a default form uh, thing that is an issue for that. Yeah, the, the form components I think is a, would be a cool thing. I think that's also like a, um, like an interesting case for an installer is being able to like install yeah. a form component and then like, right, that's like a nice interactive bit of like, all right, like what component is this for or what model is this form for? And then we could like auto-generate components specific to your model rather than having like a template that you have to plug your own stuff into. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, we need to figure out how to, if, like how to make generators work with different type of forms or like if we, mm -hmm. you know, like, is that going to be a plugin or, yeah, there's some quite a bit of complexity there that we need to figure out sometime. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, something else people have been asking about is like a default testing infrastructure for, for new apps and we absolutely need this. Um, and it could be added now, it just needs somebody to take the time to figure out like what is, to basically just set up like the, the sweetest testing setup for an app so that everybody can benefit. Um, and I probably I won't get to it because um, I've been working on the more off stuff, but this is an open issue for anyone watching or listening that um, you can, if, you, if it sounds fun to work on, it's ready to work, work on. So it would be uh, setting up Jest and Cypress mainly and making sure it all works, to, works good with like TypeScript and everything. I'd like to work on that. I already set up Cypress, so I'd like to just add Jest to that. And uh, the best thing with this is that we should add that to the generators. So when someone generates a component and a form and everything with that, we should also add tests for that. So it's easier for people to realize what the tests do and write more of their own tests. Yes, I agree. Okay, it's like sounds, a better option than, than, than just giving examples on the site. Yeah, for sure. There we go. Uh, I know that's one of like the, the more painful parts about working with the Ruby generator is it'll just generate you like a sample spec that's just like expects true to be true and then like you're on your own for testing. Uh, and especially for things like Ruby, like uh, active record models where it can be like really challenging to uh, mock everything out and test those in a, in a safe way that like, um, you know, if we could provide some like examples around like here's how to test your database stuff and, and all that, I think right. that'd be a really... Um, yeah, really generate that with the scaffold. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's going to use all the same template parameters that we already have in there. So it should be 
fairly easy to get the, get that up and running. Yep. Uh, I'm curious, like, if we're planning on making it so people can put in, like, fixtures into Prisma and stuff like that, because I know, like, Prisma has a testing library that they currently don't support. And, like, so, so if you want to do, like, full integration testing, it might be challenging to, to get, like, data in, or if we want to build out scaffolding for that. Um, so I think most of our tests should actually hit the database, like the end-to-end -end test flow. Um, and like that's how Rails does it. It just has a separate database for testing that I think it like wipes it out like before and after every um, test run maybe. I'm not sure exactly how it does that. So we need to do something similar where, so like currently the store example it runs in the in test, but it just uses your regular database. So we need to figure out a nice way to make that use a test database. Um, and we we can talk to the Prisma folks about this too. Like if we run into things that's like, we really need something from Prisma for this, um, at least for to make it nice. Like we can work around it for now, but uh, so keep this in mind, whoever's working on this trend that um, look for opportunities where Prisma could make a really nice uh, experience for having a test database. Yeah, they have a, like a, what seemed like a really nice library where it uses like a pool of databases for each test so that it doesn't have to keep reconstructing it, it can run them in parallel. Um, and then it also helps you build fixture data. Uh, it's just that like apparently when they came out with Prisma 2, they put it aside because they didn't have time. Uh, so like it's kind of a major blocker for using Prisma in like more production workloads, in my opinion. But like if they can get that back or we can help them or something, that might be something that we can For now, yeah, we can could just way. have a, um, because like with Cypress, you can just execute a shell, shell script or shell command before running the whole test with. So like before running the whole thing, we could just like do DB reset and then run a seed file to set up the fixtures for now while we wait yeah. for the Prisma guys to set it up. Yeah, that seems reasonable. Uh, I will I'll message the Prisma folks and ask them about this. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay. Um, anything else to talk about on this testing stuff before we move on? Um, Okay, so Adam, I think you mentioned uh, today in the Slack about um, pinning dependencies yeah. in our monorepo. Um, so the, the way I understand it, kind of the common practice is to pin dependencies inside applications. Um, so they're always like locked down, but then have ranges and libraries so that um, you're more likely to reuse packages with other, with other libraries that are installed instead. But I totally definitely uh, feel the kind of frustration of not having them pinned currently with with Yarn, like doing that lock changing. And then also yesterday I was like making a new app and it was failing because of some updates. I think like there's a, a new touch script type or something that's was failing with style JSX. Um, so I guess we can pin it as long as we're okay with the trade off of like, yeah, we're might bloat node modules a bit, but 
I mean, I think like given, given that we're building a CLI as opposed to like libraries that, I mean, maybe, and maybe it's like package by package, right? Maybe like the, um, you know, the actual like blitz package itself doesn't pin so that like it, it can take advantage of that, but our dev packages still um, pin dependencies. Um, and that'll hopefully at least like limit the bloating and limit the um, increased install times. But uh, yeah, I definitely like, I, I, I see both sides to it. It was just the thing I was thinking about as I was watching like, as you know, Sunday night putting up a bunch of PRs and every PR has a new yarn.lock change because there's like <laughs> versions being published Sunday night every couple hours. Right. Um, and I, it's not like a deal breaker one way or another. It was just a, just a, a thought that had been just kind of dumping stream of consciousness stuff in Slack. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'd be good to do that. Um, currently, we don't like runtime dependencies. We we have like very very little. Like it's mainly React query. Um, yeah, we really don't have much. Let me take a look at what's what's in the main Blitz uh, package JSON. And there's nothing in there. There's there's only other our other Blitz packages. Yeah, there's like there's a couple except of for, except for like a CLI stuff maybe. Right, there's a couple of like various little like resolver packages, but there's almost nothing. And then yeah, like everything else, our runtime depths are pretty limited as well. It's like, um, yeah, I don't think there's, you know, we we maybe have to have a revisit that discussion if we move on the externalizing next. But uh, I don't know that we're going to move on that in, in the immediate yeah. future, and so. So if we want to pin everything, we can somebody can open PR for that, and then um, we can add a npm rc to the root of the project for for um, I think it's like exact equals true or something. Yeah, yeah, there's a config for it. Yeah, exactly it's in the it it's in the template app. Mm -hmm. Cool. I can uh, I can write that up. That might be a good uh, a good first issue for someone too. Okay, I don't think I have anything else. What, anyone have anything else to talk about? Um, I wanted to bring up the uh, model generation issue that's open. Um, I, I, I posted about this in Slack too, but um, I think it would be probably worth it uh, to talk soon about what what we actually want out of like generated models in addition to like obviously like the you know the lines that are going in the prisma uh, schema but um, like if we wanted to generate actual typescript files containing utility methods like an actual class that people could take advantage of what do we want out of that file um, so that we can start designing what we want that to look like because that'll that'll take a little bit of time to get right so I've already thought a lot about this um, and like if, if we add a TypeScript class or something and we go down that route, we're basically creating an ORM. And I've, I've tried that and it's just not worth it. <laughs> um, but what, what, so for now, I think we're only gonna generate the Prisma stuff. Um, but once we add authorization and model like input validation, then we're gonna have some more like model looking stuff. Uh, and I've, I have, I've done a lot of kind of research and experiments on this. So I need to, I'll get to that after I get username and password authentication working. Um, but yes, I just need to do some more uh, research on that and then I can, can write out my, like my thoughts and stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, the, the other thing that I was thinking about, and this is something that um, 
I was kind of taking inspiration from because another project that I work on um, has implemented this model of like when you build out data classes, also building out um, test utilities for them. So um, their particular implementation is um, this concept of like operators. So each class gets uh, for each property in it gets generated a utility function that's like with ID, with name, whatever. And so um, you can pipe those functions together. They're immutable. And so um, if you're in a test and you're trying to write tests for your data models, you can, um, you know, expect that like uh, user model with ID, with name, with session token, whatever, uh, and it like outputs a nice data model that you can use in your testing and it just for like um, utility there. And I imagine that would be useful for things like optional fields and generating um, objects to send up to a database and things like that. Uh, I think um, it might be worth looking into what, what that kind of a framework might look like. But again, that's mm -hmm. like more of a, a down the road developer experience thing yeah. that we probably don't need to dig into at the moment. Okay, yeah, cool. Um, so I think the general uh, kind of um, philosophy is to put as much all your business logic inside queries invitation. So instead mm -hmm. of having a model class with a bunch of logic defined on that, um, either so either just separate like um, business logic functions um, or actually inside your queries invitations. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Okay, what else? Um, I can talk about the CSS solution for the website, if we wanted to discuss that. Sure. Um, <clears throat> let's see what the vote is right now. 16 to 10 as far as um, tailwind versus like emotion or styled components. Um, I think we should probably just do a mix of both. It's what it sounds like people might be most comfortable with. Um, I don't know, do any of you, I know, I know some of you have already chimed in, but. I think, I think we should just go with tailwind. Okay, and, no styled components or anything? No. Not unless we like come across something that we're just like, oh, I wish I had this. Um, um, but right. with Tailwind, you should be able to build most stuff, you know, from scratch with very little custom CSS. And what, for what custom CSS you need, you can just do the global style sheet. Okay. My my two cents here is just like it. It kind of doesn't matter a little bit. Like we're gonna build out the like once we do the branding stuff, no one's gonna have to touch that stuff ever again, right? Like everything's mm -hmm. gonna be just editing markdown files, and so like pick something and just do it. I don't think it's worth it to to bike shit over you know which which specific uh, variant of <laughs> CSS modules or CSS and JS or whatever that we go with. Just like you know, if if people are comfortable with Tailwind and it's gonna be easy to get up and running, then just like let's let's do it and pick something and, and get the get the site up. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I wasn't stressing on it too much. Yeah. I mean, yeah, seems like it seems like there are some people in the thread that had some strong feelings, but I think at the end <laughs> of the day, it's just like you know, whatever is going to get us from from here to to live with the branding as quickly as possible, and then like, yeah. you know, it's just editing Markdown after that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'll uh, make a story. I mean, I might do it myself, but I'll make a story to implement Tailwind and just roll with okay. that. 
cool. One nice thing about Tailwind is that there's a huge documentation site for Tailwind. So like the design system is already documented basically. Um, yeah. We just need to be able to customize like the colors and stuff, which I think we can do with Tailwind to, to match mm -hmm. our brand. Yeah, I think you, yeah, I think you can just set some CSS variables and it'll, it'll do it all for you. Yeah, I think it, it has like a little bit of theming, so yeah, it has some theme, some like theme color options built in that you just like give it some hex codes and it applies it all for you. So as long as you stick to using for your styles, you stick to using the theme identifiers instead of color identifiers, it'll just mm -hmm. work automatically. And then it makes updating the brand just like tweaking those hex values. Nice. Well, that's the other thing. We need dark mode support, which, mm -hmm. so I don't, I haven't done that with Tailwind, but. That's something that. I think Tailwind knows that it's there, there. It's like a limitation right now. It's kind of like technically possible, but it doesn't work that well. Uh, but there, as far as I know, there isn't really. Uh, they're, they're just. I think Theme UI does it, but I think for the most part, they're, most of the CSS solutions don't really have great, you know, dark mode toggle support, and most of them kind of have you do it custom. Okay. Uh then maybe we should do like a quick little proof of concept with Tailwind to see what it's, what's a, what is it like for dark mode? I, it looks like there's some plugins. Uh, but yeah. Mm. So I, I think we, we should just try that or, or, and then like possibly, so the backup I think is Steam UI because um, it uses emotion. So you get that but you also get the um, design constraints that Fairwind provides. It's the same kind of thing. It's just with JavaScript uh, props instead of classes. Um, I, I figured out this is what, uh, the, the, the limitation with uh, Tailwind in dark mode is that you can't combine responsiveness in dark mode. You have to custom write your responsive styles for that. that that's the limitation that they have, that you end up having to kind of hack together is you end up having to write your own breakpoints. Okay. Which, which, you know, like maybe, with, <laughs> maybe, maybe with media queries and global stuff, we can, we can make that work. Um, but that's like, that feels like kind of a big limitation to, to not be able to have native, uh, native responsive breakpoints. What are you thinking, Robert? Um, I mean, I think uh, we could always do theme UI or emotion to start with and Tailwind would be easy to plug into it because um, you can use them together. That's one idea. Or the other way around, we just use Tailwind and then once we run into those complications, maybe we implement emotion or something. It, it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I just I just want it to be I want someone who maybe is pretty new at development to like land on blitz and say, Hey, I, I really like the website. Let me see if I can add a cool component to it. And you know, they'd be able to style it really, really easily. Um, and that's where kind of like the, con the constraints you're talking about with like theme UI would be really nice. They could just, you know, create an H one in their component and, you know, maybe pass it brand color primary and they're like done i don't know and i just i just don't know what that looks like in tailwind because i've the only thing i know about tailwind is i watched the dark mode 
video, like how to implement dark mode, but that was with Vue, so. Okay. I don't, well, I don't know the popularity breakdown between these, but I've used tachyons. I haven't used Tailwind, but same thing. And I've used Emotion and all that stuff. And I think you're going to find probably a fairly even split with people that are comfortable with each of the tech. So I don't know, six one way, half dozen the other, you know? I don't right, know if you're going to so find a universal thing. If I was deciding, I would use SteamUI because we don't have a, it's going to be a lot to. nicer for theming. We get the, the design constraints or the, the, like the scale constraints for font sizes and spacing and everything. Um, it's pretty easy to use. You just, you like, you set up the custom pragma and then you just add a CSS property to any HTML element and you can set, you know, your style stuff right on there as an object. And they already have MDX like features like built in out of the box. So it's works good with MDX. That would be like a benefit for the docs, right? Can we tie those right. two things together? Yeah. Right. So it would, it would use this, the docs would use the same theme config. Yeah. That seems pretty crucial to me. Yeah. Okay. That's that's my big vote is Steam UI. <laughs> for me. Yeah, it works for me too. I mean I like I don't know. I I pulled the community like I don't know if we should like for, just make it like I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but like how many of those people are actually gonna be working on the website? So, True. Yeah. And um, I asked for more input and only got a couple so I mean, it's yeah. it's really. So I don't think people care that big of it. Yeah. Like and like theme UI is like it's it's Tailwind. So if you love Tailwind, you're gonna like theme UI. It's just you're working with JavaScript objects instead of class names, but it's the same same concept. You get the same productivity benefits of Tailwind. It's just a different um, implementation, like a method or whatever. Yeah, it seems like a good compromise um, from the two highest voted options. So we'll just go with theme UI then. And it is using emotion for the record. So emotion is always there if you need to do something custom. Yeah, exactly. Okay, good. Cool. Okay, anyone else have something to talk about before the call is over? Hey, Adam, real quick, did we used to ship or generate, I guess, apps with the, like, the 2.x um, syntax for dependency versions? We never did that, did we? That, isn't that just in the yeah. template? It, it shouldn't ever, it should never make it into an actual generated app, no. Uh, yeah, it, it will if you have a, if a network failure. So mm, yeah, if during, the, during the generation, well. We go out to NPM and fetch the latest versions and then update the, the 2.x to be like 2.4.1, whatever the latest is. But if that network call fails, which we retry and stuff, but if it ultimately fails, then you'll be left with 2.x. Oh, okay. There's an open issue for 
looks like someone was in that scenario and they try and upgrade blitz and it's like what version i don't know what you're doing but um maybe they got in that boat um no they're they were trying to upgrade blitz itself and it then prompted them yeah for the prisma cli but they said it happens okay. with blitz 2 after they pick a, a prisma version i think but sounds like they're in a weird edge case so we i made it already made a I think I did. I think I did the PR. Maybe somebody else, somebody else did. I forget. But it did fix the issue with Prisma client because it was using 2.x, which is not really recognized by like NPM as a valid version uh, range or setting for Prisma. So I changed that to be explicitly 2.0.0-beta.4, I think. And then that'll be updated to beta.5 or 6 or whatever. So that the Prisma specific issue is it's fixed, but unreleased, I think. Okay. Yeah, this, this one looks a little more generalized, I think. I, maybe not, but I can't reproduce it, and they're using an older version of Blitz. They're like 090 Canary 1 or something, so I don't know. I, I think what I'd really like to do is... Um, so NPM, I, I know we talked about this like way back when we were first building all this. Uh, was that NPM... Um, if you give it a save exact argument, then it will do all of that resolution for you. Uh, and it's just yarn that won't. Um, and so I kind of want to, and then what that would allow us to do is, uh, or sorry, it does the save exact even if you supply a version range in your install command. So if I do, um, you know, npm i save exact uh, next at nine, it will save exact 9.4.0 uh, in my package.json, whereas Yarn will still install that exact version, but in the package.json, it'll just put nine. Um, really, I think Yarn should emulate the NPM behavior, so I might open just open an issue on Yarn and see what um, what kind of traction we get there. I, I don't know. Like The problem is we're, I, we're on the old Yarn, and they've moved on to Yarn version two. Oh, that's right. We're on 119. Um, that's right. We're on. We're on an old. And version. I don't think they're adding new features to Yarn One. Uh, I would be surprised. They, if you're they, not using Barry, they don't want to hear from you. They they walked that back a little bit because they got so much pushback uh, when they were like, "You can't just like release this new architecture without like pull the rug out from other people." Uh, so they they've walked that back a little bit, uh, and that they're like considering adding bug fixes. Um, it's just whether or not we can convince them this is a bug. But again, yeah, it's also the problem that we're still on one nineteen uh, because we we keep running into that installation bug. Um, We're going to have to create a new package manager. That's, that's, that's fine. Let's do it. <laughs> cool. Uh, if no one else has anything, uh, maybe we should, this is not like a, we take this offline, but I was just curious on people's thoughts on making like uh, query validation, like more of like a first class object kind of thing in in Blitz, because you know, I've been I I'm trying to like come up with a good tech stack for some consultancy stuff I'm doing, like a standard stack. And I've I spent all of last week just looking through different like backends like Express, Happy, Nest, whatever the heck, you know, there's so many of them. Fastify. You you say a word, it's probably uh, an ex, like a node backend. But like uh and what I what I came to realize is like it seems like you know validation is like critically important for writing anything moderately secure. And the only thing I can find that has good support for that is like Nest has some okay stuff and Happy has some good stuff. 
And for like that reason alone, I'm like, I guess I can't use anything else because like you can write your own thing. You can get like joy or whatever it is and like stick it in and like, it's fine. But uh, I, I felt like, you know, if we want to guide people towards the pit of success, it could be nice if that's like innately part of it, especially because what we're essentially doing is opening up database queries to the world. And if you don't validate and you don't restrict input, you're going to kind of uh, open yourself up to a lot of security problems. If anyone yeah. can just select into Prisma um, on, onto your, your, your API. Like our examples, I, I don't think are very secure. And so we might be leading people down a, the pit of doom in some ways. Yeah, uh, 100%. Uh, I, I think we, we do need to tweak the like default um, query mutation stuff um, and to make it more like secure and make it more like what a normal, a real app would, would actually use. Um, and then for input validation, that's definitely something I've thought about from day one. Um, and we'll absolutely will add it. Um, it's, it's just a little bit lower on my priority list now because you being able to log in with username and password is number one. Um, yeah, for sure. but I have, I have thought quite a bit about this and kind of have an idea of a plan. So the idea is to define a model validation, um, like config, and then you can use that in the front end. So you could plug it into like a form library. And so you would get the client side validation. And then you can also plug it into your, your uh, queries or mutations, mutations actually, to, um, valid, to use the same uh, validation there. Right, because like so, so often you have a form that you want to validate the input on the client side, and then you have a, an endpoint for that form that you need to validate on the server side. So makes sense that you should reuse the same like validation yeah. logic. They're gonna run the same code anyway, right? Yeah. Uh, and then are, are there plans to? Because I've seen some. I haven't found anything great on this, but there are some libraries out there that are trying to make it so that you can simultaneously define your validation and your TypeScript typing. Um, like I think there's like a TypeORM plugin for this where like, you know, TypeORM, you, you use TypeScript decorators to say like, oh, here's my database model. And then of course it also becomes a, a type, um, but then you can add more decorators saying like, oh, this has to be an email. This has to be a phone number, et cetera. Um, and that seems nice because a lot of times it'd be like, here's how I want to validate. And sometimes your validation isn't that specific. It's just like, this needs to be a string. Um, and then in it, like right ne next to it, you'll say like, this needs to be a string again, but for your TypeScript. Um, so maybe that, that might be something interesting to look into. Yeah. But, yep. Anyway. Yeah. So if you, if you uh, yeah. come up with like thoughts and stuff about, about it or like things like something you'd like to see, then you'll definitely share them. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I might open an issue if I get a chance to, to put some thought yeah. into it, do some research. Yeah. Uh, I was also curious if we wanted to make use of the new like GitHub discussions. I know like Next uses it for the RFCs. Now. We just got access. Oh, sick. Okay. So cool. I just need to go in and enable it. Awesome. Yep. So we'll see how that works out. Yeah, that looks pretty dope. So you can um, create, so we can have on our like new issue a page where you select like a bug request or bug report, feature request. You can do like a question and then that will go to create a discussion. And then I think uh, currently you can convert issues to discussions, um, but you currently can't yet. 
convert discussions to issues, but you will be able to. Okay. Yeah, it seems good for like SEO. Also, when people have questions, instead of like, it's kind of like a little stack overflow, it seems like. Yep, um, yep. Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be, um, I, as long as we like it, I, I think that can be more like our forum style um, place. And then um, like once we get more traffic in, in Slack, we get more repeat questions and stuff, then we can push people to ask a question there and we get discussions. That way it's more permanent. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can't, um, can't search on Google for stuff that's in our Slack. Yep. Cool, that sounds great. Cool. Anyone else? Okay, I think that is all for today. So thank you very much for all of you joining and all of your help on the project and everyone else that's not on the call that's been helping. Thank you so much. You guys are amazing. You folks are amazing, excuse me. So um, we the next week's meeting will be on the the time zone that's good for um, the other side of the world. And then so in two weeks, we'll meet at the same uh, time and day. So take care. Have a awesome. good rest Thanks, of your Brandon. day, evening. Bye. Bye. On Friday, Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Good luck. See you.